Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. My friends, we're looking at this very important chapter in uh, the Bible, the book of Genesis. Uh, the chapter in Genesis, and my title for this evening is Duped by the Devil, Duped, Deceived by the Devil. Well, we start off with a question. Why, friends, why is there so much trouble uh, in the world today? Why so much hatred? Why so much unpleasantness between people? Why, so, why are there so many stabbings on our street, so unnecessary stabbings on our streets in London? Why so many wars? Oh, the cruelty of war, destruction that it causes, not only to buildings, but we think of all the wars that there have ever been, and the millions and millions of lives that have been lost for some reason or another in battle. Why so many diseases that cripple people and hurt and harm and spoil the quality of lives of so many. Why so much nastiness, even on the streets and in the workplaces? Why so much backstabbing in the office? So much prejudice, what we see. Inequality in different places, on different levels. So much unhappiness, so much discontentment, sadness, misery, death. Well, every day we're hearing about death in some way or other. Well, friends, why? Is our world in such a state? Why do we see such things happening? This is a question people answer, ask. They want to know what's the cause of it? What's, what's behind it? Well, the answer, friends, is found in this chapter. It can be traced here to Genesis 3. It's the only answer you will find that makes any sense. Oh, friends, this is what this chapter is telling us. It's telling us about the origin of evil, where evil came from. Here is the cause of all man's troubles. It can be traced back to Genesis chapter 3. In this chapter, you'll see how man and woman, the very first parents, disobeyed their maker. They chose to rebel against him. They chose to forge their own path in life. They said, well, we don't want to go God's way. We don't want to listen, really, to what God says. That's, what, that's what's in here. We want to forge our own way. We know better than what God is telling us to do. And we don't want to obey His commandment. And so they rebelled against Him. They did what He forbade them to do. And the result? Well, it opened the floodgates. To sin. Sin came into the world. Sin entered into the world. And every, all the consequences of disobeying God and of sin entered with it. All those terrible things entered with it. They came flooding in. Death, which was unknown before, became a, a very common phenomenon in the world. It was never meant to be like that. It was not like that before Adam's sin. The world was a lot better when, well, not a lot better, it was perfect when God created it. In the beginning, everything that God made was good. 
Everything worked perfectly. Everything was lovely. There was such a harmony in creation. There was such a harmony between Adam and Eve and their, and their maker, the Lord. There was no contention between Adam and Eve themselves. There was no husband and wife quarrels. They were getting along perfectly fine. Everything was wonderful. But it didn't last long, sadly. Things began to change for the worse immediately after Adam and Eve had sinned. And why? Why did they sin? Why did they, our first parents sin? Well, because they listened to the devil. The devil tempted them and they, they were persuaded what he's saying is true. What he's saying is right. I will follow him. As Eve, we see here especially, or, was, or specifically, was uh, duped by the devil. He tempted her. He made veiled insinuations against God and his goodness. He promised her a better life than the one that God had given to them. And they were duped. They were taken in. Eve listened and believed what the devil said. And in doing so, uh, she sinned against God. Adam sinned against God. And Adam and Eve fell. Man fell. And so with him also our world fell. Man came under the curse of God. The world came under the curse of God. Judgment came upon us. The curse came upon us. People began to die. Animals began to die from that point onwards. Deterioration set in. Rottenness set in. Corruption set in. Decay set in. All these things that our world had never seen before began to happen all because of this one sin against the Lord. Well, friends, they were taken in. Today, the devil is still duping men and women. People are still believing what he is saying rather than what God is saying. Oh, but we cannot see the devil, people say. There is no devil. We can't see him. Well, Eve didn't see him either. There's no, the record here says that there was a serpent, a snake, uh, that spoke uh, to Eve. But the devil used a snake to speak to Eve. He used the snake as an instrument. Now, snakes in those days, uh, or in that time, before the fall, were actually very charming creatures. Usually today, uh, many women, most women and and many of us men are also scared of snakes and would run a mile from it. But at that particular time, Eve, you see, she was quite willing to, uh, to speak with the, with the snake because there was something charming about it even to her. She had no fear at all in speaking to it. She was unalarmed by its presence. And so uh, it came, the devil came in disguise of something uh, su subtle but something also quite beautiful and uh, got Eve's attention and through, through this tempted her uh, behind the snake was the devil. So it is, friends, today. You know, we don't see the devil, but he comes in disguise. He comes as an angel of light. He comes dressed in fine clothes, but he brings with him death. And he brings with him doctrines and teachings to lead men astray, to keep men from God. He tells he tells you, oh, you must believe evolution. And he uses men who are educated 
and intellectually capable and great scholars and eloquent people. And you see these great scholars speaking so eloquently and wonderfully and you think, well, evolution must be right because this front of something uh, appealing. He tells you under the guise of love, oh, you can indulge your lust. It doesn't matter how you live. You can give in to immorality. It's okay. It's all love. He gives you a promise. He comes under the guise of freedom and tells you, well, you can live independently from God. Just think how wonderful that is. You can do whatever you like and no one's going to criticize you and say anything to you. You don't have to worry about any guilty conscience or, or anything like that. Under the guise of freedom. It's a lie, friends. But he comes in these different and deceptive ways to trap and entrap people and to bring us uh, to away from the Lord. Well, let's look a little bit more at some of the things that he said. Firstly, he brings this uh, Eve to doubt the goodness of God. Verse 1, uh, he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Or in other words, we could put it in another way. Has God really said that you cannot eat from any tree of the, of the garden? You can't eat from any tree? Is that what God has said? That's the idea here. God had said very differently in chapter 1 and verse uh, 6, sorry, chapter 2 and verse uh, 16 and 17. The Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden uh, you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. God said, there are a plethora of trees in this garden, and they're all for you. You can help yourself to, to any one of them, except one. Just one tree you, you can't have access to. You can pluck the fruit from any other tree. It, uh, you can enjoy it to your heart's content. But just one tree in the middle of the garden... Don't go near it. Uh, don't, don't partake of that tree. It was a test. It was a trial. But you see the goodness of God? You can have access to all. Satan twists it around. And he says, well, has God said you can't eat from any tree in the garden? And what he's doing, he's, he's putting a doubt in, in uh, Eve's mind about God. And he says, God is withholding something from you. God is not kind. He's portraying God, misrepresenting God, putting him as if uh, he is in, in a negative way, as if he is restricting them. He's placing some kind of uncertainty into the mind of, uh, of Eve. Oh, is God really as good as he makes out to be? Oh, he's is, or is he denying you? He's restraining you in some way. Can you really trust him? Can you really depend and rely upon him? Friends, these are the thoughts that he was putting in Eve's mind. And these are the same kind of thoughts that he puts in our minds today. Or the minds of people today to keep them from God. He misrepresents God. He knows that if we embrace right thoughts of God, we will go towards him. But he knows that also that if we embrace harsh and unkind thoughts of God, that will keep us from him. Naturally, we won't want to associate with somebody who is harsh and unkind. Oh, friends, the Bible teaches us from cover to cover that God is good and he is good to all. That's his nature. 
He is kind to all. He cannot be otherwise. He is especially good to those who trust in Him, to those who believe in Him, to those who walk with Him. But even to those who don't, He is also good to them in the sense that He provides for them. He sustains their life. He gives them many earthly comforts. They don't acknowledge Him. They don't give Him thanks. Will He withdraw that, those gifts? No. He's still every day, every month, month after month, year after year, He provides for them and for their well-being. He is a good friend. That's, his, that's what He's like. Don't get the wrong idea about God. God wants us to be happy. God doesn't, didn't create us to be miserable and unhappy. He con he's concerned, yes, about our happiness, but our happiness comes through knowing Him, through knowing uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and being in a right relationship with Him. He won't bless us if we are outside of that relationship, if we are seeking a life of our own, but if we want a relationship with Him, yes, He will bless us. So we sang just now, What's the, what's the happiest thing that you could have? What would make you really happy in life? Is it having lots of money? Is it having the comforts of this life? What would make you really happy? Well, we sang it and we read it. Blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. Blessed is the man whose transgressions are covered. What's that mean? Blessed. Happy. Very happy is the man whose sins are all forgiven. That's the best happiness that you can have, to know that God has forgiven you and God has pardoned you of all your sins. Oh, friends, this is what God is like. This is what God desires for, for us. But then look on. Look at Eve's response to what the serpent said. The woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. Do you see? Eve knew what she had to do. Eve knew God's command. She hadn't been there when God actually gave the command to Adam. Adam, her husband, told her of it. But she knew in her mind, in her heart, this is what I have to do. This is the command I have to keep. I have access to all those trees, bar one. She knew her obligation to her maker. She knew she had to obey him. She knew that she would do wrong by taking off that tree. Friends, we also know what God wants us to do. We also know God's commandments instinctively. It's inscribed in us when we're born. We, we are conscious right from our birth that there is a God that we are, have an obligation to Him, that we have an obligation to live to, uh, to Him. Somehow deep in our psyche, we sort of know there is a God there. There is a supreme uh, being. We feel that uh, He is watching us. We feel that this God is marking our every step, that He is not a God who is far, but He somehow is aware of everything that I am doing. We know that He is there. That's something that's inbuilt. That's something that's God-given. We come into this world with this inbuilt sense of right and wrong. Conscience. Conscience which tells us when you do something right, well, conscience will pat you on the back and say you're wonderful. You do something wrong, 
accuse you, he'll condemn you, he'll harangue you, he'll beat you. Oh, friends, he will beat you up badly sometimes, but it's, it's there, it's telling you what's right and what's wrong. We're born with, in this way. This is a God-given gift. You know, when we're born into the world, well, we know absolutely nothing about maths. No, absolutely nothing about geometry or history or science. All these things we have to learn, and we have to learn them from scratch. But the same cannot be said about God and his requirements. There's no blank sheet of paper there. We come with an inbuilt knowledge of these things. And it's a gift, friends, from, from the Lord. But we cannot say we, we don't know. Like Eve, she knew, so also we know. But look at something else in Eve's response uh, here that I want to highlight. In verse 3, she said, But of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God had said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Now she is changed. God said, God's command is, You will die in the day that you eat of it. Chapter 1, verse 17. Sorry, chapter 2, verse 17. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die, God said to Adam. Now Eve is saying, lest we shouldn't touch it, eat of it, touch it, lest we die. She's changed. She's changed uh, uh, her, her thinking. It's, it's, uh, it's as if she's been thinking on this warning somewhat, and perhaps a little bit of a doubt has come into her mind, and now it's become lest ye die. We may die. It's possible we may die. Possible we may not die. That's the way it's come, it comes across. Well, the devil jumps on that. As soon as that comes out, he it comes out with this direct lie, and he says to the serpent, the serpent says to the woman, verse 4, ye shall not surely die. He's very direct, but it's a lie. It definitely won't happen to you. And Eve we can see went on this downward trajectory, this downward trend. She went from believing God and believing his word to doubting his word, lest she die, and then to complete unbelief of what God had said. It was a downward trend. Well, that may happen to you or to us. You hear the gospel. Maybe at the first there is an inclination in your heart to believe it, you hear it in a clear, unequivocal way. Repent of your sin. Trust in Christ. He will save you. He will bless you. He will take you to heaven, to glory. Heaven is yours if you will just trust in Christ. You hear it. You don't respond to it. You leave it. You leave it. And then slowly you begin to doubt it. Is it really true? Will God really do that for me? Will God really change me? Will God really save me? And then a friend comes along and tells you, oh, you shouldn't go to church. You shouldn't believe all that stuff. It's all a story. It's all made up. And you're gone. You believe them. And you're gone. You've believed uh, them. And you believe the evil one instead of believing what God has said. But look how brazen the devil is. He shall not surely die. A complete contradiction of what God had said. There is no judgment, he's saying. There is no punishment for what you do. 
you can take of that tree, you can eat of that forbidden tree, you will not die. You can do anything, you can do this thing rather which God has forbidden, no harm will come to you. And Eve believed what the devil said. You know, friends, there are many, many today who don't take judgment seriously. They don't believe that they are accountable uh, to God. They don't think seriously about this subject. They think God doesn't care how they live their lives. They think they can live as they like and get away with it in the end, rather like a, a criminal. You know, often criminals think in a very brazen way too. Oh, I can do this crime. No one's going to detect me. I will be able to get away with it. No one will, will find out. I will, uh, the police will never get their hands on me. That's how often a criminal may think. Well, friends, that's how we, we may think too. I can, I can sin, and there's no punishment for my sin. I can rebel against God, and I'll never be brought to account for it. I will get away with it. God will, God will not judge me. God has said clearly He will judge sin. I can break His commandments, and there won't be any consequences for it. Oh, friends, don't believe that. God is holy. God cannot tolerate sin. He must punish it. Sin is so offensive to Him, so horrid, so provoking to His holy nature that He can do no other but to punish sin. And this chapter tells us so clearly that He does and He will punish sin. There are consequences to sin. And the worst punishment, the final punishment, friends, is eternal punishment forever and ever in hell. Oh, friends, does this concern us? Does this concern us that God is going to judge me for my sin? Does it concern me? Does it trouble me? Am I anxious about these things? That if I'm not a believer, it should be, friends, it should be a great matter of concern to me. Well, is there anything I can do about it? Maybe you ask. Is there anything I can do to stave off that punishment which is due to me because of my sins? Because yes, I am a sinner and I deserve the punishment. Is there anything I can do? Yes, friends. There is hope in the Lord. There is hope in the Gospel. Your punishment cannot be staved off. It cannot be averted in that sense. But somebody else can step in and take that punishment for you. Somebody can, else can be your substitute, the one who will take the sins that you deserve, the punishment you deserve. Somebody else can bear it on your behalf instead of you. But is there anyone who will do that for me? Is there anybody so willing to do that for me? Somebody has done it already. Somebody has done it already, friends. Christ came, the Son of God, came from heaven, came into this world, took to himself a human body and a human soul with the objective of taking upon himself the punishment of his people's sins. And that's why he went all the way to the cross. And on the cross, God was laying upon the Lord Jesus Christ the punishment of all his people's sins, of all those who will trust in him, so that whoever trusts in Christ will be forgiven their sins. That's what Christ has done, friends, in such an amazing and wonderful act of love. He has come to be our substitute, 
to make a way for us to be forgiven all our sins. But one more deception here. Verse 5. Uh, God, you shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What's he doing here? Well, he's, Satan is here promising Eve a better life than she now has. God is keeping something from you. That's why he doesn't want you to eat of that tree. He's afraid if you eat of that fruit, well, you're going to become like him. You're going to become like God. You're going to know uh, good and evil, just like God knows good and evil. Well, it's a half-truth. It's not a full lie. God, they, would, uh, they will come to know good and evil. God knows good and evil. He knows every, all, not only the good things that are happening, all the evil things he sees and is acquainted with that. But the thing is, he's not tainted by those things. He cannot be tainted even by the sight and knowledge of evil. But what is that what Satan was promising Eve here? No. He, was, it's, he suggested that, but what he is promising them is rather that they would, what, what he had in mind for them rather was they would know good and evil in an experiential way. And all the pains and troubles that would come with knowing sin and evil in their lives. But the point is, he was trying to show unto Eve that there was a better life than the one God had given to them, a higher kind of life. And so he persuades people today. Oh, the Christian life is a restricted life. Don't you know that? It limits what you can do and uh, what you can be, he says. Oh, an intellectual life. That's what you need. That's so stimulating, he tells people. This is what you need. Mental stimulation is much better than being uh, uh, following the Lord. Pursue these things. A life of pleasure that's a better life than being a believer. It's a lie, friends. It's a downright lie. Because the best life that you can ever live in this world is to be a Christian. The best life in this world is to be a believer. To listen to Christ. To let Him lead you in life. To let Him bless you in life. Let Him be your teacher in life. To let Him be your guide in, in life. To pray to Him and to have him answer your prayers, to be in fellowship with, with God, your creator, the one who has made the universe and all things in it. This is the best life that anyone could have. Don't go for any alternatives. Anything less than that is something that is not uh, of God. Oh, friends, we were made for a relationship with God. And that's what Christ came into the world to bring us back, to reconcile us to God and to bring us back into our original intent to be in a, a, a blessed relationship with God. Well, look at what happened, verses 6 to 7. The woman saw the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked. They realized, after they had partaken of their fruit, of their nakedness, which speaks of their guilt, and their shame became apparent to them. 
guilt entered into the world. Well, friends, who are you listening to? Who are you really listening to? Who is your life counsellor? Who is the one who is guiding you? Is it the Lord, your maker, or is it the devil? Whose voice are you hearing? Whose voice are you responding to? The devil is duping so many souls. Don't be one of them, friends. Christ cares about you. The devil doesn't. You can trust Christ. You can't trust the devil one bit. And those uh, uh, policies and those ideologies that he presents to you. You can trust the word of God. You cannot trust the word of the evil one. Christ wants to enrich your life. He said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. This is what he means. This is what he intends for us. A spiritual life with the Lord. The devil is only out to make us miserable and wretched and unhappy. Oh, friends, I hope that these few words will, will help you to see our need of following the Lord, listening to the right person, listening to the best counselor that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Come to Him. Come to Him in repentance. Come to Him trusting in Him, yielding your life to Him, and He will hear your prayer, and He will bless you in a wonderful way. Let's uh, pray together. Oh, Father, our gracious God, how we again ask that you would help us to really hear your voice. And that you would help us, O oh Lord, and work in us so that we may follow after you and uh, go your way. Lord, we do not have the wisdom in ourselves to know what is the best way to go. But we believe you and we believe in your word and we pray that we may be led down the right way and, O oh Lord, led to yourself and to Christ and be brought back into that relationship with you. O oh Lord, bless us here, each one in this way. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. We close by singing our final hymn, uh, number 403, O oh Jesus, full of truth and grace, 403.